part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. If you open your Bibles to Psalm 77, this morning we're going to be continuing on in our series on doubt. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we defined doubt as when we have two believable choices. Sometimes, especially when we're spiritually speaking, that's a choice that we know to be true based on God's word and his truth. And, and God calls us to move in faith toward that. But sometimes there's temptations in our lives. Sometimes there's doubt caused because of circumstances, even like this whole chaos that we're going through at the present time. And now uh, another believable choice comes into of the scene. And, and so we stand at a crossroads. We begin to talk about, okay, are we going to move in faith or are we going to allow doubt to cause us to go off course and to pursue that? So last week we talked about the dangers of doubt. We looked in God's word and talked about how it uh, really begins to uh, take effect if we move upon it. And this morning we're going to deal more with how do we deal, really, how do we defeat doubt in, in our lives? Now, it's always going to be there, but how do we actually deal with it in a way where we can have victory when that comes? And so when we think about this crossroads between faith and doubt, when we have these places in our lives when God has a call just to trust him, and yet we have circumstances that say, okay, it's hard to trust right now because there's so many unanswered questions, or there's so many things going on in my life that are just uh, completely wrong, and God, how are you going to fix this? And when that comes into our lives, two things happen. We begin to wonder, and if we're not careful, we begin to wander. Now, wondering by itself is just, not, you know, it's like temptation. It's just a choice there. It's the wandering that we don't want to do. We don't want to act upon that wonder and start going down that path. Now, I'm not trying to be too simplistic this morning, but I really believe that when doubt comes into our lives, that wondering comes into our lives and we begin to struggle with things that we didn't struggle with before. For, for example, that spiritual truth that God loves me. Now, I know that because the Bible tells me so. We sing it as little kids. And yet as we begin to grow and we go through periods of our lives and challenges, you know, even though we know the truth, I mean, we really do know biblical truth. There's that part of us when the adversary begins to whisper in our ear, you know, these bad circumstances wouldn't be happening. This bad thing wouldn't have happened to you if God really loved you. And so we begin to wonder. And if we act upon that and we go down that path, we begin to wander. And a lot of questions come into our mind. Questions like, what if God doesn't love me? What if the Bible isn't true? What if God has forgotten to be gracious? That's what we're going to see in Psalm 77 today. So as you open up your Bibles... Uh, we begin to see there that this is written by somebody who believes he uh, follows God. There's a little bit of question if Asaph is writing this from his own experiences or if he's simply writing a song about someone else's experiences. But whoever it is, whether it's a personal story or whether it's a story about somebody that he knows and he's just putting that into uh, this message in this writing here, it's someone who's dealing with the uh, the ability to actually think and doubt in a different way that maybe they hadn't entertained before, doubted some to their life, but they are a believer. 
Uh, Asaph is um, kind of the worship leader of his day. King David appointed him as leading the music over Israel. He's um, connected with at least 11 of the Psalms that we find in the Bible. And one of those Psalms is Psalm 77. And it's a real gritty Psalm about real life, about wandering and about possibly even wandering. Now, again, recognize that this is somebody who believes, yet they're struggling. This is not a skeptic. This is not an unbeliever. This isn't an adversary trying to disprove God. This is someone who knows God and believes things about God, and yet we see that he's in a time of struggle. Psalm 77, verse 1 through 3, uh, 1 and 2. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. There's a lot packed into those first two verses. This is a guy who is a believer and he's praying. Isn't that what people tell you to do? I mean, isn't that what your mom used to tell you to do? That, you know, your grandma, your spiritual grandma, that, okay, have you prayed about it yet? And a pastor would tell you that, hey, you're going through a struggling time, pray about it. And that's what we find Asaph is doing here. He said, I cried aloud to God. I prayed with intensity. In other words, this wasn't just a a kind of a blessing when he sat down to eat. He said, I cried aloud to the Lord. And he really was praying without wearying. Look at what he says. He said, I I seek the Lord in in the morning, in the day of trouble. In the night, my hand is stretched out. This is a guy that's not even praying, but he's praying a lot. And yet we see at the conclusion of verse 2, He says, my soul refuses to be comforted. Now, in a strange way, please hear this out. I I find comfort in that. You know, sometimes, have you ever been around people that every time uh, they have a dilemma in their life, they said, you know, I prayed about it and everything got instantly better. Or I did this and everything was instantly better. I haven't had that experience in my life. A lot of times, yes, God brings peace to the soul. He brings correction to situations. But I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life that I've prayed about something, and I've prayed about it over and over and over and over again, and yet never found that peace in an instant way. And that's why I call this a gritty psalm, because it's not just for those that prayed one time and then God miraculously kind of fixed everything in their lives. I mean, how many times have we prayed and things didn't instantly change? I can only imagine that many of you are praying during this time of this coronavirus and and you've prayed for safety for your kids. You've prayed for wisdom for leaders. You've prayed for all kinds of things and yet we find ourselves still in this dilemma. And I pray that God has given you some comfort and peace and yet let's be honest because this is a very honest song. He says, I'm losing sleep over this. Is it possible to be a Christian to love Jesus, as we've talked about in weeks before, and yet doubt comes into our lives and we begin to wonder and it begins to affect us, not only spiritually, but maybe even physically. Uh, Look what Asaph says in verse 4. He says, you hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. He said, I'm not sleeping well. I grow more and more quiet. I don't know how you react when you get nervous or you get worried, but I kind of shut down a little bit. I get really quiet. And that's what was happening to him. And he said, you know, even when I used to be able to go and sing, I mean, this is a musician. This is a worship leader. And so you can only imagine that he has a great love for spiritual song and singing truth. 
Because that's what the theologians have always said. The greatest theologians of time have always told us, hey, you have doubt, you have struggle in your life, sing truth. And there's something about the power of music in our life that God just does supernatural things, especially when we're singing truth. Asaph tried that. I mean, look at verse 6. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. I mean, how many times have you gone through a struggle and uh, you're really kind of overwhelmed? And all of a sudden, either you, you turned on, uh, you know, listened on your iPhone or you listened in the car. But, but all of a sudden, a favorite hymn came on, something that was very familiar with you. And it just was like almost like God gave you a blanket of peace that he put upon you. I mean, I've experienced that time and time again when worry and doubt was there. And then all of a sudden, this majestic hymn that has been sung for the ages, and I begin to sing it. And all of a sudden, it just seems like instead of this worry and doubt, I have this blanket of peace. Well, Asaph was trying to do that. He knew that that was one of the ways that you bring calm back to the disorder, that you bring truth back when there's the potential of lying. He tried it. And yet his conclusion was, I'm still going through a time where I wonder. He's a believer. He's praying. He's trying really hard to trust God. He's even singing songs of truth and hoping that's going to encourage his soul. And yet look at the questions that he asked. Verse 7. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Do you see the wonder in that? Here's a believer. Here's somebody who knows truth, who sings about truth. He's a leader. And yet, because of the circumstances that we don't know what he's going through, he said, it has brought a wondering to my mind. And the wondering isn't so much, Lord, can you, but Lord, will you? It's not the, so much the ability of God, but it's this personal character of God and his personal relationship with God. See, that's where I think sometimes it is so um, kind of caustic in our own lives when, when people come and say, well, just, you know, keep on keeping on and just keep on trusting the Lord. And it seems like they're able to overcome some of their difficulties just so easily. And we begin to really feel guilty and we feel kind of this weight that maybe I'm just not a good Christian because why can these people just go sing truth, read truth, pray, and have victory, and yet here I am still struggling in my own life. That's where Asaph was. Real questions, not so much on the ability of God, but God, are you going to do this in my own life? He doesn't say, Lord, you can't be favorable. He asks if the Lord's going to be a favorable again, and it's in a personal tone. He doesn't say, God, you can't be loving. He says, God, have you decided not to love me? It begins probably one of the the, the hardest verses in all the Bible. He doesn't say that God has no ability to be gracious. He says, God, have you forgotten to be gracious to me? At the root of all this is what we see in verse 9. In verse 9, he says, God, are you angry with us? Is all this a result of you being mad at us? I've been reading a lot of articles uh, lately, uh, some from a secular perspective, others coming from a spiritual perspective, and all kinds of thoughts about this coronavirus. Is this a punishment from God? Is this God's wrath? 
And uh, the answer to that, from my perspective, is I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Is this a sign of the end times? Can we start looking in Revelation and find, I, guys, I don't know. I just know that we begin to ask those kind of questions when the rhythm of our life is disrupted, when we can't really predict what's going to happen next week, much less next month. I mean, here lately, we haven't been able to predict what's going to happen tomorrow. And so all of a sudden, it's, it's not so much that we just begin to doubt the ability of God. Sometimes we begin, begin to doubt, okay, God, is this just a perspective that we've never seen from you before? And this is where honest wondering can turn into dangerous wandering. Let me say that again. Not trying to be cute here with words, but I want you to get this concept. This is where honest wondering, because we're just going through the crucibles of life, can turn into dangerous wandering. Because if we go down that path, we begin to pursue that path, we're going to find that there are some answers there, but they're not biblical answers. So how do we defeat doubt? How do we deal with it when it comes into our, our lives. After all, this writer was already, what was he doing? He was praying night and day. It's probably a lot more prayers than you and I have been praying. He's trying to trust God. He was trying to sing out songs that had brought him calm in the past. And, and what does he do here? He goes back and he kind of repeats. <laughs> See, we're, we're waiting for something novel. We always want something new under the sun. That's why diets are so popular because something new under the sun has come along and all of a sudden you can lose 50 pounds if you just do this or you can lose 20 pounds in three days if you just do that. And we always want something that's novel and new when the old diet program of eat less, eat healthy, exercise is still a standard that cannot be broken. In the same way in our spiritual life, we always want the shortcut. We always want something that's new and novel When God has said, no, you go to my word, you come to me in prayer, and you just rehearse truth over and over in your life. And that's actually what Asaph did. Look at verse 10. He said, then I will, then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Now, if you were observant, there was a part of that, maybe not in the same words, in the very beginning of this psalm. In those opening verses, he was already praying, he was already seeking out God, and he's already trying to remember those times when he just could remember God's faithfulness in his life. And yet he says, okay, I still don't have a comfort in my life. I still kind of feel this disturbance in my soul. Even though I'm praying, I'm trying to trust God, I'm singing songs of truth, I'm doing all the things I know to do, I'm just going to keep on doing that. Then I said, I will appeal to this. I'm just going to keep on going back and remember the faithfulness of God. He said, I will appeal, I will remember, I will ponder. What? The deeds and the wonders of old. God, this is what you've done in the past. On a day when he questions God's favor, he goes back and he remembers God's favor. And and notice what he does here. This is after the Exodus. And yet he goes back hundreds of years and he says, I can remember your faithfulness of old God. This is who you are. On a day that he questions God's love, he goes back and he remembers God's love to the people of Israel. On the day that he's questioning God's grace, he goes back and he remembers 
the grace that God gave to that nation and to his people. Asaph does not let this moment define the God who never changes. And see, that's, that's where our wondering in this time of chaos, in this time of the unknown, we can't allow this moment, folks, to define a God who never changes. He's still a God of grace and favor through Jesus Christ. He still loves us. He is a God of wrath. Let's don't make light of that. He's always been a God of wrath, though. Without his mercy and his grace, this world would not even exist anymore. God just could have exploded it at the first sin. And so God is consistent. And yet because we see inconsistency in our life, that's where we kind of kind of go back and forth between really believing in faith and and allowing doubt to, to lead us down a path of wandering and wandering. Look at verse 13. Look at this declaration that Asaph makes. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? What a wonderful, wonderful uh, thought and, and truth to ponder in these days of uncertainty. God, your way is holy. God, there is no other God. You're the only God. But even the gods of this world, there's not a God like you. You are the one true God. But pastor, you know, again, he was already praying. He was already remembering. He was already doing a lot of the spiritual kind of things that we do to get our heart right, to get peace in our soul. Why didn't it come? Well, you're right. We want that instant ability to have peace. And sometimes God gives it. He really does. There's been times that my heart has been so heavy, so disturbed. And in one prayer, one proclamation, just like that that man that we talked about, that father that we talked about weeks ago, I, I believe helped my unbelief. And sometimes in that simple proclamation, God brings immediate assurance. And there's other times that we just have to go back and hit repeat not in a a, a way that is trivializing the truth, but that just rehearses the truth again in our minds. That's what Asaph did. Look at verse 16 through 20. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water, the skies gave forth thunder, and your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth shook and uh, trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea. Your path was through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Uh, what is Asaph describing there? The great exodus. The time when the Jewish people, the people of God, were in captivity in Egypt. And God said that he would deliver them. Again, this pre-picture of what Christ would do. And he says, as he rehearses these truths, and he remembers these truths that he did not see, but that he knew existed because of the forefathers and and, and because of the word of God, he said, I will rehearse this truth in my heart and in my mind because this is the God that you are. God, you're the God that keeps his promises. I mean, do you remember that situation with Moses and the Israelites? They had the Red Sea before them. They couldn't cross there, they thought. They looked behind them and Pharaoh and his army was coming and they were, uh, had all the military gear and the chariots and everything. They were literally between this rock and a hard place. They were really in this almost impossible situation. 
And then look what it says in Exodus chapter 14, verse 21 and 22. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a a wall to them on their right and on their left. I've always marveled at that story. How in this impossible situation with trouble in front of them, trouble behind them, God made a way. Not only did he make a way, but did you notice that he made dry ground? I mean, can you imagine this is ground that had been wet and, and under uh, a water for, for ever since creation? And yet God not only makes a path through the middle of the Red Sea for them, but he dries the, the ground for them. When all looked lost, God made a way. In these challenging times, maybe you can really relate to this psalm. You've been praying. You've been crying out to God. You've been trying your best not to doubt. And yet, doubt has brought into your mind some, just the frailties of, okay, what about my finances? What if I can't work? What about my children if they can't go back to school? What if somebody that I know, uh, you know, gets this coronavirus and brings it in, in, you know, close to my family? A thousand different questions, and not all those have answers yet. And that's how we could easily go from a place of wondering, just wondering what the what ifs, to a place of wondering that somehow God doesn't love us, somehow His grace and His favor has left us. Folks, where do we go to in a time like that? We go back to the truth of verse 13. Your way, O God, is holy. God, everything you do is holy, everything you do is perfect. You've not had one imperfection. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? Guys, there's no secret sauce to, uh, to all of a sudden maturity in spirituality. He was praying. He was trusting God as best as he could. He was crying out day and night. He was even trying to sing songs that uh, in the past had encouraged him. And yet he still found this place of wonder And so what did he do? He just went back and he began to repeat all over again, rehearsing truth in his mind and his heart. See, that's one of the most important things that we can do in this time when we actually have a lot of time on our hands. I pray that you're in the word of God. I pray that you have um, Christian music. I mean, really good gospel-oriented music, truth music in your life. And that you're just rehearsing that as you sing it. That's what the great theologians always said, that you know, the, take the power of music and, and get just really good songs, like the old hymns that have been around forever, and just sing that truth. Rehearse it in your heart and your mind. And sometimes it's going to have an instantaneous effect. Other times, it just kind of puts your chin up for the moment, and, and maybe all that doubt and maybe all that fear doesn't go instantly away. And we just go back and we do the same thing over again. I know that doesn't sound really novel. I know that we want some kind of, again, a secret sauce of spirituality, that somehow we can try something that nobody has ever tried and that this works every single time. Now we just go back to knowing who God is, that he's holy in every way, that not only can he do these things, but that he will do these things in his time and his way. One of my favorite hymns has always been, Great is thy faithfulness. 
Can you imagine the millions and millions of people who have sung that over the years in congregations and and, and big uh, kind of uh, collective uh, gatherings of worship services? But can you imagine the number of people that maybe out there isolated from everybody else, they were just all by themselves, and and yet all of a sudden uh, kind of chaos came into their life, and they began to whistle or hum or maybe even sing out the words to that beautiful hymn. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hadst been, that forever will be. Pardon for sin and a peace that, peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Great is thy faithfulness, God. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. And all I have needed, thy hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that uh, even in those times when we're praying, we're doing a lot of the spiritual activities that you've uh, instructed us to do in your word in times of trouble and times of wonder. And yet, God, thank you that you have in this psalm that instantly everything didn't get just magically better. Father, many times you do it that way. Sometimes you solve with one simple prayer. Father, how many people have you saved simply because they cried out, Two words, save me. And Father, instantly you change their life for all eternity. And yet, Father, there's going to be other times in our lives that we have made a puddle of tears by our bed with prayers night after night after night. And yet, Father, we haven't seen movement. We haven't seen change. And we begin to wonder. Father, help us to to realize that when those times come, Father, when we begin to even a question, not your ability, but Father, just your ability in our own life of do you even love us, do you care about us, that Father, we would go back to truth, just like Asaph did, Father. Even if we have to go back hundreds, and Father, in this case, would be thousands of years, that we see the God that you are. If you're the God that would love us so much that you would send your own Son your only begotten son, to live for us, to die for us, to be buried and rise again on the third day. Father, if you did all of that so that we could be your people, then Father, this is the God that you are. No matter what our doubts, no matter what the chaos may start to bring to our mind. So Father, this week, this very day, as we come to the the crossroads of faith and, and doubt, Father, help us to just keep on going down that road of faith, to rehearse in our minds, Father, your truth, to read, Father, to pray with the fervency that we see in this uh, passage here. And Father, yes, to sing truth. Father, that we would just sing out day after day those hymns, those songs, Father, that just encourage us because they speak truth of who you are. We love you. Father, we thank you. 
And we praise you this morning as we pray all this in the hope that is Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.